Aircat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. I am Brent Young, as always, joined by Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. Aaron, Chad, how are we? Lovely. Mm-hmm. Aaron? I'm doing, right. I'm doing all right. All right. We got an all right and a lovely. Well, you know what? You know who's going to give me a little bit more than that? You know who surprisingly decided he wanted to hop back on the BBP? You know who might actually be taking over the BBP in a couple of months if it continues down this trend? It is a guy that is just brings the energy up from the ashes and leads us to the spirit dome. It is none other than the man, the myth, the goodness gracious legend, Brady Collins. Brady, welcome back. Surprise back-to-back appearance for none other than BC. Oh, I appreciate the intro as always. You know, I figured why not run it back? Why not have a little fun? Let's, you know, keep the energy going. There's a lot of, a lot of good things going in Bearcat land and uh, always, always a pleasure to be here with you boys. Does that mean we're going back to back to back with next week with your regularly scheduled appearance? Oh, that would be back to back to back. Ooh, we, we did skip. It's exciting. We did skip one. Well, before that, we skipped one. But this, then this would be back to back to back. This is the rain check. I figured it would. This is back to back. Yes, and I figured you know it'd be a nice little lead up, considering we're getting close to camp, and you know pretty soon we'll be doing this in person. Who knows? Maybe we'll have a live BBP from Camp Higher Ground. Who knows? Oh, geez, me with a good time. That is a beautiful spot, and who knows? Maybe we'll eat and bunk there for the night. I'd love to, you know, nestle up to old Chad Brendel and. Have him tell me some bedtime stories before I fall asleep. Chad, you in? I'm not huh. sleeping with you like that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just thought I'd throw it Before we get to football, I, I got I to gotta ask Brady something. You guys can chime in, too. This Brady. is food-related. Okay. okay. Oh, we go. Brady, when I mention the word diner, what are one or two things that you instantly think of that makes a place a diner? Uh, burgers and milkshakes. Okay, what about the restaurant itself? Like when you walk into a diner, what are you expecting to see? Um, a bar with uh, yeah. stools. Yeah, yeah stools. the counter. Yeah, the counter with stools. Booze. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm in Louisville this weekend for AAU, right? Mm-hmm. And um, my hotel checkout was at 11. And I didn't have a game because this is a really – it wasn't a great AAU event, but I had a, a kid I needed to watch at two o'clock and my hotel checkout was 11. So I need to kill some time in Louisville. And the couple guys that I know that are down there that I'm friends with were, were busy. They didn't, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't swing, you know, going out to lunch or doing something that, that afternoon. So I look up, I, I want to find a diner so I can go sit at a counter Get some some breakfast, some lunch, whatever I decide on. Coffee? Co- no, I'm not. I hate coffee. Oh, slice of pie. A slice of pie? Yeah. Like I, the things you do at a diner is what I was looking for. Right. So I find one. It's the only one I found in the whole city of Louisville. I find one. So it's like 15 minutes from my hotel, the opposite direction of the gym, which is okay because I'm trying to kill time. I get there. Place is packed. Good sign, right? Food's, if the place is packed, the food's probably pretty good. I walk in. There's the, you know, the picture showed the counter. Mm-hmm. So I walk in. I go to sit at the counter. And the guy standing there, one of the servers is like, can I help you, sir? 
And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down. There was nobody else at the counter. That's the first sign that something's something's gone awry. I said, the the counter's not open. I said, no, this is where we stage our our takeout orders now. So the counter's closed. You have to take diner out of your name if you close the counter. Am I wrong? I'm, not I'm wrong. here for it. I'm here for uh, it. Sounds like another you know victim of the cocoa to me, but uh, yeah. Do you know what I did? Left. Not Pretty only good. left, not only left the restaurant, I left Louisville <laughs> and came home. Piss on you. You went all the way home. You you should have hit up the uh, hometown favorite, Desmond Ritter. I'm sure he would have gave you many of places to go. Well, I know lots of good places to eat in Louisville. Like, that's not the problem. I wanted a diner. Mm. And I found one. That's the only one I found. And the counter was closed. I you, want cease, it now. you cease to be a diner if the counter is closed. Am I wrong? No. Right. Not wrong. I had, to get, I had to get that rant off of my chest. I literally, I got in my car and just drove home. <laughs> I was done with Louisville. I was Louisville done. was done with you. Yeah. yeah. They crossed the line. A diner with no counter? You call yourself a city? This is a civilization. Diners they, have counters. They closed it when they saw you coming in. They opened yeah. it when they saw you leave. Yeah, exactly. They're like, all right, well, now that he's gone, everyone can sit back up here on the, uh, <laughs> right on the counter. But no. He's here. Everybody out. Boom, <laughs> scatter. Did you tweet about it before you went to go to the said diner? Because, I mean, then they no, could have seen you coming. It was a sneak attack. <laughs> it would have been an epic Reynolds Bice if you would have just recorded on the way home, just so angry, just a rant. I almost did, a, I almost did like a, a Periscope, a Twitter Live on the way home. That's how heated I was. Be like, the, yeah. Dave I Portnoy was so mad. When he gave Goodfellas a 0.0. I did, though. I did. Um, I found a really good deli just outside of Louisville. I guess it's a chain. It's At called the Red station? Pepper. No, it's called the Red Pepper Deli. Hmm. And I got a uh, I got a, a grinder with ham, pepperoni, bacon, banana peppers, lettuce, and chipotle mayo. Oh, sounds delicious! It was awesome. So in the end, I won, and Louisville lost. Because I waited until I got outside the Louisville city limits, and then I found something to eat. And the diner that I ate at, or the the deli that I ate at, was fantastic. Did you get to sit at the counter though? Ooh, they didn't have a counter. It wasn't a, a diner. It was a deli. Delis don't have counters. J and J's does. <sighs> maybe, they did have. Maybe we, go ahead. Maybe we, maybe we could get you a, a final name on the coffin. You know, a couple years, hopefully soon in the near future, we get Louisville on the schedule and we can kind of give you a little, little bit of their own method of that. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe I'll go back to the Metro Diner and tell them what I think. Maybe I, I need to write a nasty I, – I don't write Yelp reviews. I need to write a nasty Yelp review about the decision to Wait. close the counter. What, was it called Metro Diner? Yeah. That's a chain. Okay. I don't know if it's a chain or not. Where did they stage the food prior to COVID? Right? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I was, I, but then, like when you're by yourself somewhere, you just want to sit at the counter. I don't want to sit at like a four top and take up all that space. There was a line. I've got some decorum a little bit. You do. 
you know. All right. I, that, that's my that's my rant to take the show completely off the rails from the start. Are but I good? needed to get it out there. Did, did yeah, you get it out? OK, I think okay. I think I got it all out. Do you want to hear the funniest thing about this, Chad? There is a Metro Diner pretty close to where I live. Uh-huh. Last time I was there, I sat at the counter. Of course you did, because that's where you sit at a diner. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I digress. I digress. Was it during COVID? They, did, they didn't close their counter to stage carryout orders? I believe it was right before the cocoa. Right before. Wow. I need you to go back and report on whether or not you can sit at the counter. <laughs> I'll let you know. You know what they do serve there is... <clears throat> Is they have Bloody Marys and mimosas. I was I was in Branson, Missouri at a bachelor party this past weekend, and uh, we went to a diner as well. And I asked the waitress for, "Can I do like a Bloody Mary or a mimosa?" This is a bachelor party, and she just said, "We don't have those." So, uh, <laughs> did you get a beer? No, they didn't have that either. I asked for an iced coffee. They didn't even have that. But anyway, anyway. We move on. Can you just pour some coffee over a couple cubes of ice? I figured it out <laughs> somehow, some way. I figured it out. Now we're. Aren't here. you glad you invited yourself on today, Brady? Very excited. Yeah. Well, Brady's you're back. a food guy. I, I thought you'd have more enthusiasm for this topic, and you just don't seem interested. I'm very interested. You know, it's just uh, when it comes to diners, you know, and you're your mis- misfortunes that you just went through. I, I can't help but sympathize with you, but also, um, you know, Louis- is Louisville known for diners? No, they're not. No, there's only one in the whole damn city. <laughs> now, that should tell you everything you need to know. That's not a true diner. Right. Well, all the other places that had like breakfast and brunch were fancy. And I'm not going to a fancy brunch place to sit there by myself and eat a frittata <laughs> like that. No. <laughs> Hey, Taco Bell serves breakfast. Ooh. Next time. I, I was supposed to go to a gym and sit there and watch basketball. Ooh. <laughs> That's not a good combo. <laughs> yeah, true. Nearest well, I, all right, let's get to topic number two. Brady, there's a list that was put out last week. It listed the top 40 strength and conditioning coaches in America. You were not on the list. Please discuss. All right. First and foremost, I could care less what anybody. Oh, you said. care. I mean, no, this is the God. <laughs> on- do I have an ego? Absolutely. I do. But, uh, you know, again, I've never, ever been a self promoter. I will never, ever post anything about myself or try to give some fancy speech or anything like that. Ultimately, what are we judged on? What is, what is my, um, you know, ultimate definition of a strength coach, it's, it's wins and losses. It's relationships with the players. Um, you know, how well our program does. And, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I saw that. And then I saw all the responses. And again, my heart goes out to our guys for, you know, giving me a little love and all that stuff. At the end of the day, that's some random guy's fan account that he makes and he wants to put out there and, you know, wants to put someone number one overall when, You know, in my mind, I guarantee there's a guy that no doubt should be number one overall and has done way more for this profession um, than anybody in in the country has ever done. Selfishly, I I got the opportunity to work with him. But, um, you know, no, I mean. He was barely top 10. Hey, hey, He was like like, eight. Like I said, that's one person's, um, you know, random 
I don't know how he worked that out to get all that, but, uh, you know, again, just, just all it is, the stuff's, stuff's put out there all the time, whether it's good or bad, all that stuff. Um, I could care less what anybody thinks um, of me because at the end of the day, you put our team against your team. I'm going to take our team. Um, I'm going to take our guys. And uh, I know what we do works extremely well. I know our kids love it. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I, uh, I, I had a, I had a feeling that question might come up, but um, no, nah, I mean, it, it doesn't, it doesn't phase me one way or the other. Um, if anything, it just motivates me even more that, you know, if there's one person out there that makes some random list, he doesn't understand and appreciate what our guys are doing and how well they perform. That's fine. We'll continue to show them. Well, I, that's the thing. This, this guy, I, I've seen all these lists that he puts together. I, what is he like an Oklahoma fan that just like searches coaches names? And uh, there's no chance he knows all of it, but UCF fan too. Who knows? Yeah, sure. But he's a hardcore list guy. He's just, I've told him this on a, on a different occasion. I said, maybe lists aren't your thing. <laughs> yeah. You like doing lists, but you know, I like doing lots of things that I'm not actually good at. So I, I don't do them for the public to see. <laughs> well, you know, Brady, that brings up another list. And, and I love pro football focus. I think they're great. They obviously love the University of Cincinnati. They've got ties to, to BCJ and everything of that sort. But they had Desmond Ritter as a 40th returning quarterback in college football. 40th in the country, which I think, like you said, the main factor in these lists aren't really taken into account. That, that's wins and losses. I, there, there's no chance that the winner that is Desmond Ritter should be listed at 40. And I guess they're talking about his, you know, his deep ball accuracy and different things like that. But I, I just, I saw that and I had to be like, Whoa, there's, there's no chance that there are 39 other quarterbacks that I'm taking over Des, even players. So I thought that was another really weird list. Yeah. And again, you know, I think if you ask myself, coach Vic or almost anybody in the building, I wish you would have been ranked 99th because all that does is give him more motivation. And trust me, that's the last thing you want to do with a guy like Des. Um, but, you know, again, there's whatever person put that list out there and whatever criteria they come up to make a certain list or whatever, awesome, cool, put it out there. All it's going to do is motivate our guys even more, whether you're the number one or you're the number 90. Like, it, it does not matter. And, uh, you know, that that's just a huge testament to our guys because, you know, a lot of guys are going to get publicity. A lot of guys aren't. And again, it's all what you do, how you make of it. And, you know, ultimately it's, it's what you put on film and, you know, what you promote and what you permit, all those things that we talk about as a culture. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, trust me, that that's, that's just more, more ammo to number nine. And, uh, you know, he knows that he sees all that. So like you said, I'll take our guy over anybody every, any day. So have you heard any feedback real quick, Aaron, before we, before we switch off of Des, mm-hmm. have you heard any feedback from the Manning passing Academy? Yeah. What can you tell us about Des's trip out there? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously a very successful trip for him. He said it was hot as shit. <laughs> it was very muddy, you know, I mean, uh, I was messing sounds like with- Louisiana. Sounds like Louisiana. I said, uh, a lot of the pictures that I saw, I was like, you looked like you were like covered in mud. I said, 
you know, what were you doing out there running in mud fields? He goes, coach, man, every field that we're on was just covered and the rain and all that. But um, no, he said it was very valuable, very great. Um, I think one of the things he didn't realize was like the schedule, you know, being a camp counselor out there, it's like, it's wake up to, you know, to, or sun up to sundown, you're doing all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, he said he learned a lot of good things and just great to be around a lot of the people, a lot of, you know, NFL guys. And, but, uh, you know, just again, as we all know how Des is, the biggest thing that he took from it was, you know, helping the young generation, being a voice, being a, you know, a leader for those guys and someone they can look up to. And, you know, again, someone that can give back. Um, so it was a very valuable experience for him. And, you know, we're all happy that he got to be a part of it. So while we were talking about lists, I thought of a list that I saw today. And that list was not really in any specific order or anything, but there were 13,000 kids that entered the transfer portal this year. And 11,000 kids are still in the transfer portal. What do you think is going on with the, the whole transfer portal thing? And is this kind of a testament to what we're going to get used to seeing in the future? Or is this kind of going to be just maybe an anomaly and kids are going to realize maybe grass isn't always greener on the other side after seeing something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, it, you know, it is going to continue to grow and blow up. And, you know, again, everybody's going to have their rhyme or reason for why they want to go into the portal or seek other places could be playing time, could be skiing, could be, you know, a coach, a position coach that left or whatnot, or, you know, ultimately sometimes maybe it's not the right fit, but uh, you know, it, again, at the end of the day, you know, as our, as, as a program for us, I, all you want is the best for that individual, you know, the best on the field, the best off the field. And uh, you know, we've been very fortunate. We haven't had people um, that have been, you know, leaving here by the, by the masses and all that stuff. And, um, you know, but it is, it's something that you look at throughout the whole landscape of college football. And it's, it's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg, really, it's going to come up even more because, you know, certain people may feel like they're not getting the best where they're at and they could go here or there or that place. And, you know, at the end of the day, kids just want to play football and uh, you know, it is, it's, it's going to get even crazier. I think in the years coming on. Just because you want to break up with your girlfriend doesn't mean another girl wants to put up with your shit. <laughs> like, Sorry. that's what it comes down to, right? Like, there are guys that say, like, I'm done with it here. I, I can't handle this coach. I can't do this. I can't do that. And then they get into the portal, and there's, there's, there's not a, another partner. No so you're just sitting there alone in your, in your, in your studio apartment with the bathroom, the living room, and the bedroom all in the same room and a microwave, and you played yourself. like Pizza, pizza rolls, yeah. Yeah, well, pizza rolls are delicious. Yeah. But well, that, you, better hope you, have a plug. you better hope you have a plug to use an air fryer because they're much better in an air fryer than oh. they are in a microwave. Fair enough, fair enough. Life hack. Well, well let's, let's, let's stick with the list. Uh, some of the you know preseason watch lists have come out in the, the bed and Eric, the Maxwell, and of course the Dodd for, for Coach Fickle. Uh, is there a is there a number one strength coach award? Like, does that exist? No, I think Boomer Sumer already gave it out, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? Ah. It is. There's a number one strength coach award. It's it's go. It's called uh, the team that wins it. That's what it is. <laughs> As it should. Fair. Be. But so 
as these lists come out, we've kind of talked about this in the past a little bit, but is this recognized by the team? Is it something that, you know, you guys kind of say, Hey, congratulations, but look, you know, this, this team or that team has these players on it as well, or, you know, kind of how, how is that viewed by the coaching staff and, and by the team when, you know, when they see Dez and, and my and sauce on there? I mean, it's always a positive, you know, like I said, with anything, we, uh, we use everything as a positive, um, you know, again, to have multiple guys put on lists, whether it is Dez for the Maxwell or it is, you know, Ahmad and Maje for the Benaric award. Um, because again, that's, that's multiple guys at one school and you compare those. Okay. Who are the other multiple school guys, Alabama, Clemson, um, Ohio state, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah. So, you know, from afar internally, your program's right up there with those other guys with having multiple guys getting the recognition that they deserve. Um, but then selfishly, you know, there's probably two or three other guys that could easily be on that list. You know, a Darian Beavers, um, you know, a Curtis Brooks on the inside interior who I think is going to have a monster year. Uh, Brian Cook, right? A Kobe Bryant who never gets any love but is yet the ultimate dog and, you know, competitor and, you know, all those things. Um, so it's, it's always great. It is. I mean, again, we, we don't try to pump it. Like, you know, when it comes out, it's not like we have, you know, a big meeting where we're like, Hey, these guys are on the list, but you know, again, these kids are on their phones. They see the, the tweets and the posts of social media and all that stuff. So they know it. But um, at the end of the day, you know, like coach always says, um, team success is always going to um, lead to more individual success, whether that, that is at the next level or that is with, you know, certain awards and all that stuff. So, um, but like I said, we, we spend everything positive. So you mean to tell me Luke doesn't have a big meeting just to announce that he was on the Dodd watch, <laughs> watch list? <laughs> I could tell you right now that coach could give zero, you know what. <laughs> Fully believe that. Fully. Yeah. So enough about lists. How was practice this week? OTAs. We like to call them OTAs, you know, because they're not they're not practices. But again, they're optional. You know, the N- no, it's not even that. No, no. The NCA gives you, you know, a lot of time with coaches and, uh, you know, things that you can do on the field. And I think we do a great job of utilizing that um, to kind of cater to what it is that we want to do to kind of lead into camp. Um, because, you know, again, there could be programs that kind of overdo it or try to put too much on the kid's plate when, you know, realistically you look at our program and our team, a lot of people are coming back, a lot of guys that have played a lot of ball. Um, so they're, you know, football IQ is already really high. What do we got to do? We got to get some of those young guys going. Um, we got to make sure they're, you know, following the lead of the older guys and understanding how they kind of operate. So that when we get to camp, it's not like a big, you know, shell shock, but uh, it, 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 it's great because, you know, I've, I've said, it's kind of like the winter, you know, in the winter, you got, you know, six weeks of hard training. You take a little break, spring break, you come back and you kind of ease into spring ball. It's very similar in the summer. You know, we've had six to seven weeks of just hard, great training and running and all that stuff. Take a little break after the squat fest, you come back, you regroup and it's kind of, you know, a little fine thing of, uh, you know, getting ready for football so that when we get to camp, it's not just a, a shock and, you know, punch in the face of meetings and 
um, practice and all that stuff. But uh, it's been great. It really has, um, you know, selfishly when I stand back and just kind of watch, I'm like, holy crap, you know, everybody's moving fast. Um, coaches are flying around. Guys are picking things up. The young guys are doing a really great job of picking things up on the fly, following the lead of the older guys. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've just, I've seen that really in the past couple of weeks in the weight room, because, you know, those freshmen have been integrated with those older guys um, for real now. And, uh, you know, just every day they get better. Every day they pick up the tempo. And uh, that, that's ultimately what you want. So I, you touched on Marcus Brown. Pardon me, no, Curtis Brooks. And I want you to talk about that interior defensive line, just the defensive line as a whole. Uh, with, you know, Marcus Brown coming back, Curtis Brooks, you know, Malik Van, and then you even throw in Jay. You got Big Juan coming in. You've been involved with some high, high, high-level programs throughout your career. How does this defensive line as a unit stack up? I, I mean, it's, it's hard to think of the amount of, you know, age and the amount of experience that some of these guys have. And then you talk about a potential first-round draft pick in Maje and some really good up-and-comers. Let's talk about how do they stack up in, in the trenches to some of the other, you know, big-time groups that you've been a part of in the past. I mean, they're right up there. You know, I mean, again, I've been fortunate to be around some, um, you know, very high profile guys and, you know, great units on the D line. Um, you know, I even just think back to uh, my time at Mississippi state when you had Preston Smith, who's still playing with the green Bay Packers and, you know, dominating at a very high level, um, you know, playing on the D line with, you know, some other very high caliber guys that maybe didn't get as much notoriety or play as long, um, of an NFL career as he is, but, you know, and then obviously at Ohio state with the Bosa's and Taekwon Lewis and, you know, those type of cats. But I would say just when you go from, you know, end to tackle to nose to end or tackle or, you know, whatever it is, if we're going three down or four down, I mean, who knows, we might go five down. Who knows? I mean, we got tons of talent and depth. Um, but that's, that's the thing that just sticks out is the depth. You know, I mean, again, you got Marcus Brown and Curtis Brooks coming back. That's huge, right? I mean, those guys came back for their unselfish reasons and some selfish reasons to better themselves and put themselves um, in a better position to, you know, put themselves in a position to better their future at the next level. You got, you know, Jabari Taylor. You got Malik Van. Um, you know, you got a young Eric Phillips that's, you know, punching the crack the rotation and all that stuff. Then you add a transfer, a big Juwan Briggs, right? And, you know, what does that do to your D-line? All it does is give you more, you know, to play around with. Like, you know, I, I joke with Coach Scruggs all the day, all the time. I'm like, you know, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to mix these guys in? Because, you know, you got so many guys, but at the end of the day, that's what you want. That's what, that's what we've always wanted as a program to build that depth so that you can rotate those guys to keep them fresh and so that your pass rush is still strong, your run, your rush defense is still dominant. Um, and then, you know, obviously you throw a freak on the end, like Maje Sanders, who could just do anything in the world that you ask him to do. We're very fortunate. Um, but again, then you bring in a young freshman class of guys that no doubt looked the part, but got to continue to mature physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all those things. Um, you know, what better way for those guys to learn every single day through practice and in the weight room than watching those guys in front of them. Because, you know, Curtis Brooks says it all the time. He didn't have that, you know, 
these guys are going to be fortunate because they're going to be able to learn from Maje, from Curtis, from Marcus, from Jabari, all these guys. And, uh, you know, we were very fortunate. Cortez Broughton was in town last week and he was out, you know, kind of helping out and just talking and watching our guys on the side. And he was like, man, this is, this is special because, you know, I didn't have this. And you think back to when he was here, you know, and the growth that he had in our two years with them and Mark, Mark, uh, Quez Copeland and all those guys, and just to see how well they're doing now with the Los Angeles Rams and the chargers. Um, you know, all of that does is just give more motivation to our guys. So how much time are you spending, you know, in the weight room versus in the classroom, like, you know, talking and doing video footage and, and that kind of thing versus how much time you're spending on the field right now? I mean, it, it's just all, you know, the NCAA gives you a certain amount of hours that coaches, you know, can be out there around the guys doing instructional things, um, you know, but it's all kind of like conditioning in a way, um, you know, and again, from our standpoint, it's the best, right? Because yeah, we could put you on the line and do, you know, this drill and that drill or run these events and agilities, all that stuff. What's better for you than to go practice and do drills at the position that you play? Nothing, right? That's the best you can do. So, um, you know, we're still working out. We're still doing what we got to do in the weight room. Um, you know, things have kind of shifted a little bit for the older guys. I mean, we're still getting stronger. We're still doing things that, you know, you have to do to continue to develop their hearts and their minds and their bodies. But, um, you know, it is kind of a fun time because if I'm an older guy, I might be doing this amount of sets and reps. If I'm a young freshman, I might be doing a little bit more, you know, and some extra here and there. But, you know, I'm all involved with those older guys and I'm seeing them work out and, you know, I'm seeing them lead me and push me. And, um, you know, it just again, it drives our culture. It sets the standard and um, it's the best thing for our program. Yeah, I listened to a podcast that that Luke Fickle was on uh, just this past weekend, I believe. And it, he kind of touched on that a little bit, how all the players have the same amount of you know time and, and you know, resources to kind of just max out your potential and, and control your own type of destiny. And I mean, one of those guys, I think obviously was the sauce and, and you throw in the amount of talent that he has on top of it. Now he's, he's got a nice little number change. I want to know, do you have any insider info on that change to number one, other than it just looking awesome and having a great intro video for it. I, I mean, it, he's going to rock it very nicely, but do you know anything that went into that and just kind of also just touch on as well with what uh, Coach Fickle's message kind of is that with that, is that something you guys really harp on as a staff as well? I mean, obviously, you know, single digits are always going to be, you know, something that guys really want, right? And, uh, you know, when it comes to the number one, obviously that kind of heightens things even more because, again, as we all know, Coach Fick is not a look-at-me guy, whether it's a coach, whether it's a program, whether it's certain individuals. It's all about the team. Um, so if you really request to wear number one, there's a lot of things that got to go with it. So, yes, Ahmad has, you know, all the, the clout with it. He's played extremely well. Um, he's represented the university in himself extremely well. Um, but I wouldn't lie to you if I said that there was a little underlying thing for him to be number one. Maybe it was to weigh 200 pounds. Maybe it wasn't. Oh. But, uh, you know, that's uh, – that's a big thing for him. Um, but again, you know, again, it's just, you want your guys to, 
to feed off of little things, whether it's, you know, a number change or, you know, a different helmet or a visor, stuff like that. Because, I mean, let's face it, we, I played the game. A lot of us have, like, there's certain little things when it comes down to it, you know, the look good, feel good, play good, all that kind of stuff. It does go into it a little bit. And, uh, you know, with a mod, I know there's a lot of other underlying um, motivation with the number one. He wants to be the number one corner. He wants to be the number one guy that everybody talks about, all those types of things. Um, so, uh, you know, again, when you give that number out to someone, just like last year with James Wiggins, you got to make sure that guy can, one, handle it, back it up, and two, embraces it, you know, because that's ultimately what comes with the number one. Everybody's going to look and see who's number one because it's got that stigma to it, right? And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate that we've had two extremely – competitive, hard-nosed, great football players embrace that number and uh, looking forward to seeing what Ahmad can do this year. I do want to tip my cap because when you watch that video, it's it's just greatly put together to the point where you see the highlights of him, right? You know, from you know, two years ago and last year. And then you have it tied in where he's doing his own jersey change and you can just physically see the change that he has yeah. from those highlight videos from to when he's wearing that number one. I mean, man, tip, tip my cap to you and tip my cap to him as well. That is a, a, an impressive transformation. He's looking every part of 200 pounds. There's no doubt. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And again, that, that'd be a huge shout out to Kelsey Sharkley. You know, she does an unbelievable job with all the videos and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I just, I remember the other day, um, you know, when, before they shot that, you know, mods down in the weight room, and we get to the end and we're doing our arms and Ahmad goes, Hey coach, I'm going to do a couple sets. And then I'm going to come back later because I'm doing some video. <laughs> and I go, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, you know, we're doing this video for a number change. So he's like, I'm going to come down, maybe do a few more. I said, no, 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 no. You're going to finish your workout. Now, if you want to do some extra later, you can, but you're not going to skip out on reps. And he goes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's like what push-ups before you hit the beach type thing on spring break. I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's the small things that matter. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about the young kids and uh, we all got to see the picture of Dante Corleone doing the stairs, <laughs> <laughs> but um, how, how are the young kids, you know, specifically translating and, what you've seen on the field and taking what you're doing in the gym and taking that to the field in just a short time that you've had them. Yeah. I mean, again, on the field, you know, there's, there's nothing too crazy going on right now. It's just all, you know, individual work and, you know, learning the defense, learning the offense, just kind of, you know, getting everything down so that, like I said, when we get to camp, it's not just some big wave of emotion and kind of hit you in the face and you're lost. But, uh, you know, I, I've just, I really have. I've been very, very impressed with this freshman class. And, you know, again, I, I can't thank the coaches enough for doing what they did with recruiting because, I mean, let's face it. I know we talked about that list earlier with the strength coach, all that stuff. Do you know what makes any strength coach's job easier is recruit, right? Like that's the lifeblood of any program. So the better recruits you get in, well, the more you can do. And no doubt, you know, we're always going to have our developmental guys and guys that might take a year or two to really fully develop and mature and all that stuff. And that's fine. That's what our job is. But, you know, when I just look at the overall size and the athleticism of this freshman class, 
mean, it blows, it blows your mind. I mean, again, to have someone like a Rob Jackson, you know, who just continually every single day is getting better and better and better. Um, you know, a Z Lawton who came in extremely athletic and strong, but is now learning the ways of how we do things, right? A guy like Isaiah Cox, who's never done anything in his life, but all of a sudden he's getting even better every single day and week. Shaman Mateer, who has never, ever seen a weight or touched it in his life, but all of a sudden now he's, you know, 255 pounds. And today, you know, he's working out and he's finishing up some stuff and he's over there with Lenny and Josh. And you're just like, dude, this kid's going to be special. I mean, it, it, it's, it's what you want. And again, we, we set the tone with the workouts and all that stuff. Ultimately at the end of the day, those kids are going to feed and they're going to follow the older guys. They're going to follow the guy in front of them. They're going to follow the guy that, you know, has the name to them and all that stuff. Um, you know, it's just, when I, when I selfishly think back on the years, you know, and I think of a guy like Ahmad who came in and yes, you know, broke onto the scene as a freshman. Okay. But what really, you know, kind of motivated him and led him to that? Yes. He's very gifted in football. Yes. The coaches have coached him extremely well. I take it back. You know, I peel the layers back even more. You had the ultimate human being in the whole entire world, Kobe Bryant in your room right to help um educate you on the film to help show you how to practice how to train all those things so you know selfishly i'm always going to think that way because you know again we don't run the program we don't drive the program the players do you know and uh you know again just just so happy and fortunate for our older guys uh proud of them to set the tone all those things because they do you know they, they have fun with it they love messing with those young guys and maybe, you know, making them get a couple extra reps here and there, but they, they really do. They thrive off it because they know that at one time they were the young ones and now they're the older guys setting the tone. And obviously the standard here has elevated to a whole new level and they were a part of that. So now they're setting that for the younger guys. You mentioned recruiting. And then this isn't uh, about anything specific and we're not going to mention any names <laughs> and it's definitely, not related to anything that may or may not have happened last week. What's the feeling like in the building on the day that like a priority target commits to Cincinnati? What, what is, what is that? Is there a buzz? Like, can you all feel it that, that, you know, this was a guy we had at the top of our board and, and he's going to be a Bearcat and, and we get a, we get a nice big W in the recruiting department. Absolutely. And uh, you know, again, I think that starts at the top. You know, I mean, Coach Vic makes it known. Um, the recruiting department does an unbelievable job communicating, letting everybody. But, uh, you know, again, ultimately, we're all on our phones. We're all on social media. We see things, all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, when certain things like that happen, we all get excited. But what's really, really cool is our players probably get more excited, too. Because, again, like I said, you know, maybe you're a guy like Curtis Brooks who when you got here, you know, things were just kind of whatever, right? Recruiting was whatever. You might be winning, you know, four games here and there or whatnot, right? Now all of a sudden you're winning double digit games every year. You're playing for championships. You're winning championships. You're recruiting at an all-time high level that's on par or better than 90% of the quote unquote power five schools and all that stuff. 
And then, you know, you, like I said, you peel back the layers, you see why it's because of relationships. It's because of the, the program that these kids have built here, right? Like it's a destination spot. You want to come here. You want to play. You want to have fun. You want to be developed by the best, right? I, I think I have the best strength staff in the country. I think we have the best coaching staff in the country. And then all of a sudden you're going to win a lot of games. Why is that? Because you're going to get coached really hard. You're going to play really hard. You're going to have fun and you're going to go win a lot of games. So, but no doubt, there's a lot of good buzz that comes with that. Um, you know, we feed off it. Our players feed off it as well. Um, they get excited. and You know, it's a, it's a, it's a big day when, whenever anybody decides to choose to be a Bearcat. Yeah, I want to go back to the Dante Corleone picture. Cause first off, I, <laughs> See, seeing a tank like that, he looks kind of like chiseled already a little bit. I mean, that's just like, if, if, if not like super chiseled, but you know what I mean for yeah. as big of a guy as he is. And then, but the part that I thought was the coolest was you look behind him and you see his, his former teammate and now current teammate again, Deshaun Pace. Looks like he's cheering him on. You see my Jay Sanders right there as well. So just kind of a testament to what you're saying about how the rest of the team is kind of building up these younger players, which is, Awesome to see, especially because I think that's that's the biggest key to a team having that unity in that form is is what you're saying is having the older guys be the leaders. But you also touched on Shaman Mateo and how he's in that room of the tight end you and and how it's going to be just another step in that process. I I do want to have a little a side question for you because recently news has come out that we all might have been calling one of the goats of of Cincinnati Bearcat football by the wrong last name for however, <laughs> however many years that we have been saying his name is, do you have any inside track on that? Do you, do you know the exact pronunciation of his last name? I do not know the exact pronunciation of his last name. I've met him probably three times. Um, and every time he's introduced himself as Travis. Um, but he's a unbelievable human being, love his energy, love his passion, love what he did here, love what he's doing now in the NFL. Um, but I, I too saw that and I was like, wow. So we've been saying it wrong. <laughs> Chad, I, I mean, that's near and dear to your heart. You, you might've named your daughter the wrong name. It's okay though, because we call her Kels. Like that's what we call her. Okay. Okay. So if I'm addressing <laughs> her 90% of the time, unless she's in trouble and I'm <laughs> calling her Kelsey Lee, we call her Kels. Hey Kels. If I okay. yelled for her right now, I would yell Kels. So maybe I got it right. I just didn't know it. <laughs> we might need to te text Jason because I know you and Jason know each other well. We the problem is Jason doesn't – he's a mountain man. Right. He doesn't respond to texts. Right. Like, I could text him 30 times. And then when I see him, I'm like, bro, I sent you like 30 texts. He's like, oh, I haven't picked up my phone in two months. Now, <laughs> here's a question, though. Okay. Would, would anyone be surprised if, like, as he's getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, he's like – Hey, remember when I told you guys that my name was pronounced Kels? Yeah, this was Just a kidding. long. This was a long play. Uh, it's it's actually Kelsey. So you know we're gonna actually induct me into the Hall of Fame by the right name here. I believe. Did it. you um? Did you see the prank he pulled the other day at the golf tournament? Yes, with where Mahomes. he pretended to be drunk. Yeah, he acted like he's like, hey, we're partying. Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, Travis has turned up. And he's like, oh, I'm just kidding. How about that footage? <laughs> I mean, those those two got to be awesome to be around and by the way did you see when when Mahomes tackled Kelsey looked no, like he, I didn't see that looked like he might you know his knee had a little bit of space <laughs> you know, between between the ground and his knee it was a little dicey I, for a second I will say this having having 
met Travis a couple of times, um, having see his, you know, interactions and all those things that are posted and having being, you know, in, in the facility every single day and being around in his gracious, um, Josh Wiley, no doubt that's Travis Kelsey 2.0, you know, I mean, you talk about personality, he's right up there. You talk about, you know, obviously the things that he can do on the field right up there, maybe better. Um, it is, it's very, very funny, very unique, but, uh, ultimately just really cool for, you know, all of Bearcat nation because, um, it is, it's, I mean, we have a very special guy in our locker room and, uh, you know, again, a guy before him that really set the tone and led the way. They're very, very similar. It's kind of scary. And, and, and it seems like they're, his relationship with Dez is kind of like what Travis's is with, with Mahomes as well, to the point where, like, you know, you just build that camaraderie and that chemistry off the field. I mean, just imagine what it's going to be able to do next year on the field. I, it's Josh is a – I'm excited to see what he does. Hey, let's, let's get an update on Josh. Just give us numbers and looks real fast. Let's hear it. I mean, he's 245 to 248 every single day. Um, always a ball of energy. I mean, he comes in, whether it's, you know, the locker room, the weight room, to the team run outside on nip. You know, he's just he, – he always does this sound. It's like a yee, 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 yee. I mean, he's just – he's crazy. Um, you know, but uh, love, is, love is passion. I think the number one thing that stands out about Josh – is he loves, loves his teammates and he loves being a Bearcat and he loves this university. And, uh, you know, again, Josh is going to, he's going to work hard. He's going to get everything that he has to do to make himself better, but selfishly or unselfishly, he's going to make sure everybody around him is, is at his level or even more because he's not going to make sure he's just getting his and saying, you know, all right, I'm good. I don't worry about you. He pushes everybody around him to be the best. And, uh, you know, back in the winter, you know, that, that's why we nominated him and he, he was awarded the Iron Bearcat, which is a huge honor from us in the weight room because he earned that. I mean, he is everything you want in a young man in your football program, right? He goes hard. He gets great academics. He loves his teammates. He does everything he can on the field to be better, whether it's at tight end whether it's on special teams, what, whatever it is, he's going to do it. Um, so, but he's, he's kicking ass. He's doing great. Um, you know, just extremely excited to see uh, what the future holds for him. Aaron, let's give Brady some random mailbag questions. Not, nobody okay. knew Brady was going to be on. So none of these questions are for Brady, uh, <laughs> but, but let's go through and find some random ones. We can have him answer. I had a real random question actually to ask him before I even get into the mailbag. Wow, a, a deep dive into Aaron Smith's mailbag. This is yeah, let's it's, hear. The- it's just it's a completely random thought. Um, I, I'm I'm not going to touch on the NIL, but seeing what we've seen with the NIL and seeing what we saw with Michigan State presented by Rocket Mortgage, is there <laughs> any shot that Cincinnati does anything like that, or is that going to be like a thing that even other schools start to do, getting sponsored by? brands essentially i uh, i mean no, no no harm here but michigan state probably needs all the love they can get <laughs> <laughs> um no i mean 
I think it's a it's a very unique time, and obviously in college athletics, um, you know, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. I think it's great. I think guys do deserve something um, for all the hard work that they do, for all that they do for the universities, um, you know. And uh, again, as long as it doesn't take away, and I think again, we're very fortunate. I'm not trying to be biased. I'm not trying to be selfish. I think we're very fortunate. The guys that we have. They, they know this NIL stuff. They think it's cool, all that stuff. But they ultimately know what's really important, what's really the main focus. Um, because let's face it, if you want all of that stuff that comes with the NIL and getting paid and all that kind of stuff, what's the ultimate thing? Okay, you do your job. You go as hard as you can in the weight room. You get great academics. You do really well on the field. You're going to put yourself in a position to play at the next level. And then all that stuff will be presented to you. So, you know, again, we're very fortunate. We got a lot of older guys that, you know, have played this game for a long time and are very mature and understand the kind of the way to do it. But, uh, you know, again, anything that's out there that's for the betterment of the persons on our team, it's, it's awesome. I think it's for the best, but uh, whatever rocket mortgage is doing for the Spartans. Hey, yeah. Have, have at it. I, Here's bad, a good one. Bad timing, Chad, with with the Rocket Mortgage. I, they just lost Rocket Watts. I mean, they, geez, that was a yeah. That would have been much better timing last year. Uh, here's a good one, Brady. What is something that everyone looks stupid doing? Oh, <laughs> uh, squats. Does everyone no. look stupid doing? No, some people look cool doing squats. Some are graceful, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> neck neck exercises. Neck exercises. Nobody looks good doing neck exercises. No, you're straining your neck. So you're like, ah, you know, you're, <laughs> you know, um, it, the best way to put it would be like picture, picture Arnold Schwarzenegger in total recall. That's, that's neck exercises, right? <laughs> if you're doing it the right way, if you're really getting the maximum effort out of it, you're getting full resistance. That's, that's neck exercises. What about eating chicken wings? I feel like that's uh, everyone kind of looks a little stupid just gnawing into them. Like, yeah. now the people that know how to remove the bone and just go on a flat. Oh, yeah, true. Like true. that's 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 true. pretty. That's super badass. That's pretty yeah, legit. I, I was a little swaggy right there. I would I would say that's an art. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't look stupid eating wings like that. No. You, you look you look like the coolest guy in the bar. You know what I think? Maybe I would say. Everyone looks stupid making a list of top strength coaches and leaving off one Brady Collins. How about that? <laughs> but not everybody would do it. Just that one idiot. Right. Right. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Here's an interesting one. Would you take a deal where you always defeat your rivals in the regular season, but always lose to them in the postseason? Being that in the postseason, you play them a lot less. Obviously, you know, like in football, you very rarely would you play someone in your conference, like in the postseason basketball i guess conference tournament you'd play them regularly but like the ncaa tournament you wouldn't some rivals you would really never play in the postseason but that's a right. that's a tough question because uh you know as a program you know again i know with all the league changes and all that stuff you know back in the day louisville and pittsburgh and west virginia were rivalries and all that stuff and obviously the miami of ohio game is you know one of the oldest rivalries in the world and uh, so that's still very true to us. You know, we treat that with the utmost respect and we make sure we, you know, treat that week and 
the months prepping up to that with the highest regards, but I'd be lying to you if I said that when our guys, you know, they see the schedule and they see who the opponent is, every single person on the opponent or on our schedule is a rival because they're trying to take something away from our guys that, that we want. And, you know, that's just, uh, that's kind of the way we've, we've built this thing. That's kind of the way we want to operate it. And, uh, you know, um, I don't know if I could say one or the other because winning is the best thing in the whole world. So beating your rival at any time, any place, it's better than nothing. Winning. So what is your favorite food truck in the area? Personally, I love cheese and chong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been fortunate to be around a couple food trucks here and there. Um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't remember the name of certain ones, but uh, there was oh, a good cheese hot, and chong. Yeah, yeah, there was a good hot dog one that I was a part of. Um, what was on the dog? You gotta, you gotta go into a little detail there. It was, it was a Chicago dog, so I think it had a pickle and all that kind of stuff on it. Okay, but uh, you know, now that now that the COVID year is, you know, past us, when we get to higher ground, we might have a certain food trucks come out and, you know give the boys a little love. So maybe we'll have some new, some new favorites. The ice cream food truck is the legit that come the Mr. Softy truck that comes out the soft serve. That, that's a big, big time favorite, big time. favorite. Yeah. I don't know that we have any more random questions in the, All right. with, without talking basketball. Yeah, that's a, that, yeah, that mailbag. We we might have to hop straight from this to the mailbag. Jeez, they're, 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 you they're, you you or Mike Rayfeld one on one. Who you got? In what? Basketball. Uh, me. You. Yep. Mike Mike's got a decent jumper. I've seen That's him fun. take jumpers before. That's you, fine. You taking him to the rack? You, you going to the rim on him? Like I like I tell our players, I can play defense. I can dribble. I can lay up, and I. I can pass like LeBron James. Well, but you're but, playing one on one. Who are you passing to? Myself. <laughs> <laughs> Off the if, backboard. You, if you want me to pull up and shoot from the outside, it's going to be fifty percent. You know, that's all right. That's, that's uh, a high. That's a high number. Fifty percent. I mean, that's a that's a very rigged question. Me one on one versus Rayfeld in basketball. Okay, that's like all right. Me versus Rayfeld. Put on and, the oh, pack. Who's going to oh, win? Come on. Oklahoma, Oklahoma drill. A hundred percent right here all day long. Like, <laughs> He's got some pounds on you. That Mike's a big boy. Uh, yeah. His, his pounds might not be the right pounds that you need though. Well. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let's snip that out and we'll post that. Just, just that. <laughs> we'll, we'll do this, right? We'll, we'll give Mike the basketball one-on-one. And obviously, we'll give me the football one-on-one, which, let's face it, is more important, right? <laughs> but, um, no. I, mean. I, think, I think next summer we could do this thing for charity. <laughs> Finish it at Top Golf for the, yeah. the tiebreaker. <laughs> hey, as, as long as it draws more, more in for the university and our guys, I'm sure we're both a part of it. <laughs> Brady, Brady, I got to ask, what, what were you doing in this picture? You look You high. got a picture? Yeah, what, what, well, is, is, is this you in that little picture collage that they had with the Dante Corleone picture? It, it's got to be you. 
you look you look hyped right there. Are you gonna okay. show it? What are you talking about? In the How can he the show rain. it? Oh, can I share? I'll share on his phone. Oh, I've never done this. Like, Let's see here. Share my screen. Well, yeah. What I, are we doing? Oh, come on. <laughs> it's great radio. Here we go. We're talking about the post that was from yes. the Bearcats football site yes. and all that. Stuff. That that. Okay. Know what you're talking about? All right. So Friday after the lifts, we did uh, our our standard, you know, staple team run, which is. Yes, we're going to run the stadium steps. And, you know, it started back in the day. You ran six. Why did you run six? Because you got six home games and you got to defend the NIP, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we're one of four programs in the entire country, four programs, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. I I can't think of the other one. Oh, oh, that's right. It's us. that have won every single home game in the past four years. So it means something to us, right? So when we run those steps, we don't just run one round. We don't just run two. We run seven. Why do we run seven? Because you get six home games. And then obviously when you play the conference championship game, you want it to be in your home turf, just like last year against Tulsa. So at the end of that, we had a little overtime, which is a new addition to what we did in the past. Um, And, you know, we did prowlers. Uh, the O-line was on the big sled, all that stuff. And at the very, very end, it all timed up, you know, selfishly. We work it out that way. That the entire team comes over and they see the O-line and the D-line on the big sled to finish. And that's because, again, we're an O-line, D-line driven program. And that's no disrespect to any corner or wide out or quarterback, anything like that. Let's face it. At any level, the game is won in the trenches. Every single down every single game. So I wanted all those guys to watch their brothers on the last, you know, rally or whatever it is that we had to do. And I wanted them to motivate and push their guys, right? Like you you all come around, you just did all your work, all that stuff. No doubt you're tired. You got to get it going for your brothers, right? They're about to keep going when you're already done, all that kind of stuff. So you know, I'm sure the camera caught me at a good time where I was hyping up the whole stadium and all the guys. But uh, it was a very awesome day. The guys attacked it. They dominated. And, uh, you know, that that picture that I think you're talking to is right when I was telling all the other guys, like, get it up for the big boys. You know, no disrespect, but these guys are going to win you the game. You, you catch that ball. It's because these guys are doing their job. Des, when you throw that ball, it's because these guys are doing their job. Um, you know, linebackers, DBs, when you guys make those plays, it's because that D-line's dominating, given that pass pressure that we want. Um, so it was awesome. It was a great day. You you picked out the, the picture correctly. Very <laughs> good. Very good. <laughs> well, and anything else, guys? Aaron? I think we're off. I'm good. Enjoy your, enjoy your night of freedom, my friend. And thank you for uh, wanting to spend an hour of it with us. Always, always, man. I look forward to it. I enjoy it. And I can't wait till the next one. Hey, baby. That's oh, what I love to hear. Any, any, any more crumbs you want to drop about July 30th? Hey, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Mic drop. There we go. Might, might not be as many lights as you're accustomed to, but that's fine. Right. Aaron with the lights. The light, man. He brings them in. All right, Brady.
thanks a bunch for joining us yet again on the BBP. You are welcome anytime. And you're also welcome anytime. If you want to hit me up, we can spend another hour chatting it up. <laughs> Heck, I, I might just hop in the car after this and I'll, I'll come meet you. He Let's, won't show uh, up. And uh, I, I probably won't. <laughs> Sadly. But There's anyway. a better chance he'll make it to Squad Fest. Ooh. Oh, God. And that's here on BigCutJournal.com. Have a good one, guys. <laughs> Thanks, brother. We'll see you soon. All right, Brady. Thanks, man. Yeah. Peace. See ya. See ya. So, guys, one, one, one more thing I wanted to touch on before we move on to basketball and everything is just, you know, JQ Hardaway. I know, Chad, you guys touched on this a lot in the BCJ pod. But, Aaron, you had the chance to uh, hop on the phone and spend – a long time talking to one JQ Hardaway. Let's yeah. uh, let's just let's just hear your your collections. I am sitting back and listening to the recruiting expert of Bearcat Journal, Aaron JQ Hardaway. What 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 a get! So we talked for almost twenty five minutes, which truthfully, I mean, there's only been one other interview that I've done this season that's been that long, and it was Ethan Green. And you saw what kind of an article that turned out to be. So here we have, you know, almost 25 minutes with JQ and this article turned out, I thought really good as well. Um, You just got to see, you know, some different layers to a kid that they don't necessarily always show. A lot of times it's, it's pulling teeth or or trying to, you know, like ask as many questions as you can, hoping to get that like one or two really good answers that kind of show a little bit more personality than just like your cookie cutter questions and what have you. So with JQ, on the other hand, we did some off the record stuff before we actually got on the record and we were laughing because if you guys remember correctly he's the one who i had a long conversation with earlier in the season and Mm -hmm. the file got corrupted yep yep (laughs) surprise (laughs) so you know here we are with a second opportunity and finally getting to put you know words to paper first off the kid talks so fast i had to listen to it at less than normal speed to get everything so that was that was the the first hurdle I had to hop with with JQ. Second, the stuff that we talked off the record about, he brought up on the record almost for the most part. Like I did not expect him to bring up the story about his parents and Georgia and all of that and and he did. So it was it was, you know, just kind of the kid was an open book like Pretty much anything that I was asking him, you know, just getting to know him, we laughed through the whole interview, which was fantastic. Like it wasn't one-sided laughter where like I'm laughing, trying to make a kid feel comfortable. (laughs) No, it wasn't anything like that. Like we were both genuinely like actually laughing together. So I don't know, great kid, you know, not just on paper, but also just having a conversation with, he's hyped to be here. You know, he, he said it himself. He was always hundred percent in his parents kind of balked for a minute and then they saw campus and and what a great answer where they saw campus they saw the coaches they saw his relationships with the coaches and they said no this is where we want you to be like Mm -hmm. you can't ask for a better opportunity to where both you know the actual recruit and the family both really want him to be here and I think that's just a testament to everything this staff has done to build itself up as you know just an excellent program at this point you know one thing that I have just seen pretty much on every article that you've been writing recently is the fact that these recruits are starting to see, Hey, this is a winning program. This is a top 10 program. This is a, you know, one of the best coaches in all of college football. Is that just like a steady thing that you've been able to see in every recruit that you've talked to? Cause it seems like it's, it's, 
a good chunk of what the article is just saying, hey, I might not know, might not have known who Cincinnati was two years ago or mm -hmm. whatnot. But now I'm seeing, wow, this is actually a big, big time program. Well, I think it kind of goes even further than that. It's much in the same way that UCF was kind of recruiting a couple of years ago where they're like, hey, we're doing something that nobody else in our conference is doing. We're an up and coming program. We want you to be part of this build. This has been, a, I think it's probably been a little bit more sustained build than what UCF has had with, you know, the coaching turnover and all, all that the UCF has, you know, unfortunately gone through, suffered through even, if you will. Um, but, you know, with here with, with Luke Fickle and all that, like, that's what these kids keep saying is like, you know, they see the, the contract extension. They know that, you know, he's at least here committed. I don't think it can be lost that his son is here, you know, in, in young Landon. And so, you know, they're, they're excited to be a part of something that's building, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily apexed yet. So they're still part of this huge wave that is Cincinnati. And now you got, you know, the, the hype of course, right now, where you're talking about, can they be a dark horse to get into the college football playoff? And, you know, only time will tell, but it's an exciting, exciting time to be joining as part of this program. And then to not only be the guys who are necessarily here right now, but to be part of that lock and reload, that's huge. Yeah. And, well, and then they also seem to be touching on the other coaches on the staff as well. Yeah. JQ just seemed like he was, you know, just, sees Perry Eliano as, as, you know, a, a, another father, another father figure or, or someone he really looks up to and really loves the connection with Perry. I, I mean, just the staff right now seems to be in the best position possible. And JQ, he said it over and over again, you know, coach E, coach E, is that something that you just heard, heard the entire time with, with Perry? Well, and it's not just, it's not just with, you know, Perry Eliano, it's, mm -hmm. you know, you got Perry Eliano, you got coach Scruggs, you've got, um, you know, uh, Colin Hessler has been getting a lot recently. Um, Ron, Ron Crooks. Ron Crook, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, so there, there's a lot of guys that even even with, uh, you know, some of the outside coaching um, as far as, you know, with uh, Coach Gino, you know, it's not it's not Luke leading the charge really at this point. You know, mm -hmm. of course, he he reaches out and does his due diligence as well a head coach should, but he's given the reins to his position coaches. He's given the reins to the recruiting coaches and he's letting, you know, I mean, the coach, the, the kids can't say enough either about, you know, Max and, and Pat there in the, in the recruitment office, you know? So it's, you know, especially a kid like JQ when he says that every coach recruited me, mm -hmm. like everyone was all in on this kid as a clearly a, a top priority target. And they got the guy. And it's, you know, just a matter of everybody working towards the same goal. And they're all, you know, just, it's an exciting time, man. It is. It is. And then, of course, now just one more thing. We'll move on to basketball. And then we got to dive into that mailbag. But uh, August 1st, Oliver Bridges sets his commitment date. Uh, it kind of seems as if with this crystal ball that was recently dropped on him today, I, it seems as if it another defensive back possibly joining the long list of defensive backs that we have already in this class. So uh, definitely one to look out for, right, guys? Yeah, and uh, just to be clear on Bridges, you see that there's been a lot of guys, like, recruited for their versatility. Bridges being recruited as a safety. Um, they like his size. They like his frame at safety. And I've even talked to, uh, to Brian Doan, uh, who put in the crystal ball. Brian has seen him in person at camps and said he likes him at safety right now, 
but there's even a chance with this kid, six, two and a quarter, six, two and a half already uh, up near 200 pounds. There's some chance when he gets in there with Brady that he wouldn't be shocked if he's like a coverage linebacker in a year or two. And if you go back and read the story that I wrote, the last time I talked to Bridges is he was being recruited as a safety. So, you know, that's not, shouldn't be news to the guys that are at least reading what I'm writing. Well, let's move on to basketball. You guys, anything well, else on football for you? What I have that? one last thing. Yeah. Did you guys see the video of Marcus Peterson? Yeah, just snatching the ball out of thin air. <laughs> he looked giant. <laughs> Did he? He's a he's a he's a large, large just outside wide receiver. One-handed, just snap a couple well, I, more steps, snap. I mean, you think about it. Effortless. It, Quincy Burroughs also got, I guess he just finally got his composite uh grade a couple of weeks ago. I mean, yeah, those are some those are some high level wide receivers joining the mold. I mean the fold so it's it's going to be a excitement on both sides of the football if you will but uh moving on to basketball that's all i had i like it thank you chad you've already kind of teased it you were in louisville uh you were there for one person really and one person only and uh tell us a little bit about young leon bond i mean i love leon bond's game um that that has been no secret since the beginning of the spring when i first I first saw him in Louisville, actually, which is mm-hmm. uh, we kind of bring it back full circle. The second uh, open weekend, I, I did talk to Leon for a little bit. Um, one thing he said specifically when talking about Cincinnati was how crazy the fan base was uh, blowing up his Twitter. <laughs> there we go. Co- coordinated attack. Uh, <laughs> but great job, everybody. Uh, but I'll take it. Yeah. Um, the thing that worried me the most that I did not know in talking to Leon, Virginia's actually been recruiting him since the beginning of his sophomore season. And Tony Bennett was going to offer back in the spring after watching, you know, tape of uh, what he was doing in the spring, but then told him he thought it would be more special if he offered him after seeing him play in person to get a, a true evaluation. And then sure enough, he went out the first weekend. Uh, he was at the first game for Leon Bond and then offered him last Monday, uh, a week ago today. So that I thought that Virginia was like kind of new to the process where Cincinnati and Marquette and Marquette's staff is new. Cincinnati's staff is new. Mike Roberts has been recruiting him, you know, for a long time, as we've talked about. But it turns out Virginia's been recruiting him as as a staff that's in place at the the school that they're at. Virginia's been recruiting him for a long time, and uh, I'm still real worried about Virginia. The question I would have for that is, what took him so long to offer them? Uh, it just like I said, they were going to offer him in the spring, and just decided that they thought it would be more quote unquote special if they did it after seeing him in person. Um, I know people laughed at that last year when I talked about Brandon wanting to see guys in person and Aaron's making faces right now. You guys have no fucking idea how much that means to college coaches. Like it is, it is their life getting to see kids in person. I mean, I guess the, the thing I'd retort to that though, with is the fact that how many kids, it wouldn't matter, but how many kids value the fact that a program offers them first or like you've been on me since sophomore year. What what are you waiting for? I, I can tell you that Leon Bond valued that Tony Bennett wait, waited until he saw him in person. 
Dolph. I don't like it. Gary Clark did okay. too. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care if you like it or not. Like, That's each fine. situation is different. And this situation, the kid had been waiting a long time for an offer from Virginia. Virginia saw him the first weekend and they offered and it meant a lot to the kid. Now, if Cincinnati had done it, maybe I'd feel differently, but I don't, of course I don't you like would. it. I don't like it. So, so Chad, is it a, if Bond decides not, you know, to go one, one direction, is it Bryce Sensenball full court press or is no. it? If I had to guess, I think the guy, Sensenball is right there. That one is getting a lot more complicated because the kid has just been a monster at oh, Peach Jam. Blowing up. Blowing. I mean, I talked to a couple people that were down there um, Friday night and, and Saturday night. Uh, some UC related, some just coaches I talked to, you know, around the country. And his was a name. He's not even starting for each one, teach one. And he's basically been their best player. Like he's playing 15 minutes and scoring 25 points. That's silly. So th- th- those are the types of games he's been having for a week now. Um, that one is going to get a lot more noisy before it gets quiet, if you know what I mean. He picked up what? Uh, Miami, Illinois, and another Clemson. high major, Clemson. He picked up like four high major offers today. Um, and that train, I don't think, is going to slow down. So that one is going to be a little bit. I know somebody asked in the mailbag, like just now or just towards the end, um, what, is, what is the 513 connection? His dad went to UC. Uh, his dad, I think, was the 1993 graduate of UC. He lived in Cincinnati until he was five or six years old, somewhere in there. He's got a 513 tattoo on his bicep. What, is, what does that mean in terms of how much does he want to play in Cincinnati? We don't know yet because the kid is experiencing something he probably never even dreamed of himself with mm-hmm. as fast and as furious as his recruitment is expanding. So we don't know like how much that means to get back to Cincinnati for this kid. Um, he's definitely one of the guys that, that they're on very heavily. Uh, I'm really excited to get to Indianapolis and watch Daniel Skillings. I was really hoping that you were going to drop a Vin Diesel impression as soon as you dropped the Fast and Furious reference. No. I'm not a, I'm not a Fast and Furious guy. I've watched a couple of them. It's not really my thing. Um, Daniel Skillings is one that really intrigues me. Uh, if you don't know the story from, from following along on the boards, apparently there was some blowback today because sometimes people don't get to read every post and every thread that happens on Bearcat Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, Skillings just started playing basketball in ninth grade and has a ton of room for upside. But from what I've heard, very natural scorer, um, a guy that, that has a high basketball IQ, despite the fact that he's only on year three, even playing the game. Uh, I, I know Wes was there Friday. Mike Roberts was there Saturday. Mike Roberts and Chad Dollar were there Sunday. Um, all of them, th- there was a presence uh, at every game that, that Skillings has played. Um, I think he is quickly becoming a guy. And, and here's what's interesting. Like, and I watching Leon Bond this weekend. Um, Leon Bond is kind of a luxury item, right? Leon Bond is a guy that's really good for your program if your program is established because he does all of the dirty work things rebounds, he hustles, he plays defense. Um, 
he's a, you know, he's the first one up off the bench, high-fiving guys when they come over, if he's on the bench, uh, coach loves him, great personality, really bright kid. It's kind of a luxury item for when you're established right now. If you look at all the other, and I know I'm going to take heat for like, you know, Chad's downplaying Leon bond in case somebody else gets him. That's Can't not wait. what I'm doing at all because I love Leon bond. Like I value the things Leon bond does well above pretty much anything because you need guys like that in your program. But what are the other guys in Cincinnati's looking for? Like looking at, excuse me, they're all high level wing scorers. And Leon Bond is not necessarily a scorer. Like at the AAU level, especially at the level he's playing at with not a lot of other D1 type kids on the floor, he's going to get you 15, 17, 20 points because he's going to get to the line. He's going to attack the rim. He's going to score in transition. Um, and, And generally, the other team's not being able to guard him. But if you pay attention, even with all those advantages, he's still averaging right in that 15, 17, 20 point range. Everybody else they're looking at are these guys that you see are having 25, 30, 35 point games, Um, which tells me what they're ideally looking for because they know the roster needs it is a scorer, is a like a bona fide go to wing scorer and skillings and sensible and to a little lesser extent, Jalen Martin that plays out of Florida. Uh, for night riders. Um, from what I've heard, he's a guy that can get you buckets, but he's probably more of a second or third. Uh, he's on a really low today AU team that has uh, an elite point guard and uh, another guard that, that scores it really well. Um, he's probably a second or third type guy, but these other guys that they've identified are here's the ball, go get, get us a bucket types down the road. Um so I, I think like a, a Sensabaugh or a Skillings might fit more what the staff is actually looking for. But Leon Bond is so good at everything. You have to make him a priority if you can get it. I don't know if that makes sense. Like that, that's not making excuses or downplaying. Whoever gets Leon Bond is getting a guy that's going to be a hell of a player in college. I just think there are some, some differences. And when you look at the other guys – that they're looking at on the wing. And that right now is pretty clearly the focus, especially with Sage Tolentino in the fold um, that we covered on the BCJ pod Thursday, especially with one big man, at least one big man in the fold. Now you can focus on what your, your true need to make this roster uh, significantly better. And that is a, a guy on the wing that can go get you buckets. And do you think somewhat of a, how Leon Bond has been recruited by Virginia for as long as you found out, you know, with the new staff, obviously that's a hurdle they have to climb. But now you look at a sense of ball and you look at, at a stillings, it seemed like maybe this is a situation where a year without AAU during, during COVID now, all of a sudden they weren't getting the exposure that they're now getting on the recruiting trail now. And so it's kind of like an equal playing field for the new staff. For yeah, to an extent, absolutely. I mean, those were going to be the guys that that if the staff attacked it the right way, you're going to be looking at the guys that haven't been talking to three or four different schools for a year, right? Right. right. And Sensible Sensible had a knee injury, I, and that is a concern on him. From what I heard, it's actually 
his second meniscus tear in the same knee, uh, which meniscus isn't, you know, a, a debilitating knee injury. But if you got a couple of them, there's a little bit of a red flag there. Um, but yeah, you know, he didn't play his junior year. So he was under recruited until he started to blow up. Uh, Skillings, again, is a kid that ha- didn't have didn't have the luxury of being out uh, on the AAU circuit, even before, you know, the COVID stuff, because he was brand new to the sport and, and was still trying to find his way and make a name for himself. So you're, you're right. Those, you know, it, it makes sense to go after the guys that are just hitting and just starting to blow up because they don't have those developed established relationships. Uh, and you can kind of get in on the ground floor with some of those guys, as opposed to, you know, you're running up the stairs and the people you're chasing are on, you know, you're, you're going up 40 stories. <clears throat> they're, they're on the 25th and you're on like, you know, the third step. <laughs> Take a little bit longer to get up there, huh? <laughs> Aaron, any, sure. uh, anything else on the, on basketball recruiting? I know we've got, we've got more recruiting questions in the mailbox as well. So. Yeah, we can hop right into it. Or Mel Bag, pardon me. Mel better, uh, Bag. Better coin that. Coin that. Go ahead, Aaron. So, um, where would you place current Crystal Ball for Leon Bond um, and Sean Virginia. and Sean Jones? It sounds like you know Virginia is the current favorite for Bond. Sean Jones moving in Virginia Tech and Pitt's direction. Sean Jones is interesting because everybody thought Xavier, but Xavier's been pretty hard on. Uh, following around a couple other point guards. Uh, and, and Sean Jones has talked about wanting to get this thing done pretty quickly after uh, AAU wraps up. So that I don't know on Sean Jones yet. If I, like if I had to guess right now, uh, I, would, I would probably say Xavier, but it, Xavier's acting as if they might on. not be... Like, no, I don't want to say moving on, but th- that they're still open to um other options and and generally if something's this far down the road a coaching staff is zeroed in and kind of you know locked in on 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 getting that finalized so uh if i was doing a crystal ball on sean jones it would it would be xavier but i because of not because of sean jones uh but because of of the way xavier has kind of handled some things the confidence level would be would be fairly low um but I, I, you know, if I had to pick, I still think, you know, Xavier has probably done the best job with Sean Jones and they've, they've been involved uh, for a really long time. And, and the kid has a good relationship with staff. So I would probably say X, but I, I don't know that I would have a high confidence level with bond. I would, I would say Virginia. I mean, we've talked about this. I, I think UC and Marquette are fairly close. I'd probably have Marquette just a, a tick above UC because of the hometown stuff. And Shaka has clearly made him a priority. I, up until Friday night, I know Shaka had been at every game that he's played um, over the two evaluation periods. And my guess was he was probably, you know, back in Louisville as well uh, for the rest of his games. So that one, you're fighting kind of an uphill battle, it feels like right now, even though Cincinnati has a puncher's chance. I don't think they're out of it. But I would probably guess running third. Uh, even if it's a close third, you, you're still third. Follow up to that. What's uh, what's it looking like as far as point guard in 2022? Do you think um, 
are they a little bit more I, choosy I, now or is it I, I of- don't think they've really found other than I mean they really like Sean Jones they just haven't because of coming in so late they really haven't been able to gain a lot of traction there I haven't gotten the sense that that point guard has been like a uh die hard do or die priority on the road because we, we haven't if you look like at the offers we haven't seen many if any point guard offers go out no. Uh, and even combo guards for 22, we haven't seen, you know, a, a whole lot pop there. A good it's amount clear of 23. Yeah. So that would be my guess is they're really looking at 23 is when they feel like. Um, and some of that makes sense in terms of do you want to go get a point guard you don't love in 22 to get just to get one? Mm-hmm. Or do you take your chance building relationships and going out and finding that right guy to be next in line at point guard for 23. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, but if you look, man, the names that, that keep coming back up to me, Skilling, Sentaball, Jalen Martin, um, and then Deshaun Nelson and Jaquan Walton, the two junior college kids. Now, the junior college stuff is interesting because they're done in July junior college. So you're not going to be able to see junior college kids until they start doing open gyms in September Mm. at the junior college. So those guys are off the road. That might give Cincinnati a little bit of a chance. They know they like those two kids. Nelson is, is a kid that's from Toledo. As we've talked about Jaquan Walton, we talked about last week is a kid that started his career at Georgia Mm. and was recruited by Chad Dollar. So that's another kid that they know well. Um, so those really are the five names that I've heard the most as far as like where the board is evolving. Um, you don't hear much on guards. You know, I, I know they they still like uh, Braden Huff a lot, who has been exceptional. Uh, his Illinois Wolves team is the number one seed at the Under Armour Finals coming up next weekend or this coming weekend in Indianapolis. They're 11-1, and one, uh, and a lot of it is because of the play of Braden Huff. That one, just another one that's, you know, Northwestern and, and Wisconsin and Virginia Tech and a couple others have been in on that for uh, a long time. And it, you're, it, it's tough making up ground. So, All right. Uh, who's the top player in the 22 basketball class that you want to see commit to UC? Uh, ask me next week because right. I want to see skillings before I can, you know what I mean? Like I get it. I, I, I think it's probably going to be skillings. Um, but I haven't seen him in person yet. I'm excited about what I've heard, but I get, that's a question for ask it again next Monday. And I'll let you know, uh, I love Leon bond. So <laughs> the, right now the answer is Leon bond, even if I think Cincinnati's running probably third. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to go follow around Daniel Skillings in Indianapolis and uh, in between going and getting a uh, peanut butter fluff donut from across the street from the well, Pacers hey. facility. Well, hey, well, mine was uh, Sage Tolentino. Mahalo. On, on yeah. top or, or, or stuffed into that donut? Oh, stuffed inside a chocolate, <laughs> like a long, like a long John. Oh, like a no. chocolate Long John stuffed completely full with peanut butter fluff. You're speaking Brent, has, Brent has had it. I have I have partook in, have, a, in an event, yes. Have the birds had a chance to see John Newman in open court no. or practice yet? No. All right. Coach I will Millen. say one thing about Newman, though. 
he is one of the most vocal guys whenever, you know, the official Twitter account releases videos or anything of that sort, or even on social media at all. So I think that bodes well for when you've got just another just loud and, and connected guy. So leader. Yeah. Coach Miller famously constantly pushed UNCG to upgrade facilities and program infrastructure. We've heard about shared practice facilities and the lack of a private jet, but what's the number one feasible facility slash program upgrade this team needs and we can get behind Coach Miller to help make a reality? Well, you're not getting a new practice, Jim. Like that way too much has been made of that conversation off of one Mason Madsen Instagram post. They have a practice, Jim. That there's nowhere else for them to put another practice gym. There wasn't even room for Rayfeld to build a second monster factory. They're not getting their own practice gym. So put that out of your mind. And they share it with the women's basketball team and the women's volleyball team. That's not a debilitating share situation. And you still have fifth third arena. If you want to go get some shots up and the practice gym is in use. I don't worry about that. Uh, the jet for recruiting is essential in specific uh, periods of time. Would have been really nice this past weekend for Miller to have one because there's three events in three different cities that are pretty spread out. And you had Leon Bond uh, at Louisville. Um, the jet is a pretty big deal. Uh, I would go to the, go to Kyle Decker's Twitter page, find the tweet that talks about Bearcat air. And if you have some money, you want to donate, donate. And that'll give Wes Miller the ability to use plane a little bit more. Um, other, like in terms of facility upgrades, they got the new gym. They've got a phenomenal weight room. They've got a practice facility. Like they've got as good a staff as maybe that has been hired in the history of the program. Like you always want more money for staff, but Wes Miller hasn't had a problem getting guys that want to come work with him. I don't know specifically outside of, you know, having easier access to a plane for recruiting what what is necessary in terms of facility upgrades or, or you know, winning the arms race. Um, I know there's some people that aren't thrilled with, with how the locker room turned out just because it's not very big. There's very limited space underneath Fifth Third Arena, I think, in a perfect world. Uh, the locker room that was supposed to be on the second floor that never got built would would be there and they would have a, a legit players lounge and a legit, um, you know, area for for their dining, uh, you know, lunch and dinner and all that stuff. But uh, that's that's being picky to the point that it's going to be made a bigger deal out of on the board just because I said it. What are they doing with that old track and field gym that I wandered into to use the bathroom? <laughs> Did you just call the armory the old track and field gym? That's all that's being stored in there is old track and field stuff and like, like, I don't know, float decorations for parades. <laughs> Place was terrifying. It was a graveyard. The armory. I didn't go to UC. I went to Wright State. Now it's just a place to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. Oof. You're going to get crucified for that's that. That's fine. I didn't go to UC. Crucified. Right state, wrong school. That's never heard that one before. This is a salient time to mention it. (laughs) 
Do you guys know of any parents or family members of recruits and players that listen to your podcasts? When you have guests like Brady Collins on, he always gives great insight as to how they operate. Not a bad recruiting pitch. I don't I, know I, of any. I don't. I know there's a lot of current families, current player right. families that listen. Um, I don't know of any specific recruits that uh, that are checking out the the BBP or the BCJ podcast every week. Uh, I'm sure there are some out there. I just I, I don't have direct knowledge of of that happening. All right. Uh, trivia: Who's the only player from UC that got drafted twice to go to the NBA? No idea. And they don't give the answer, so I couldn't tell hmm. you. Hmm. It would have to be what, like a lockout situation, maybe. I don't know anything that happened back in like the old uh, ABA, CBA, NBA merger days. Like maybe Jack Jack Twyman. Hmm. Jackie Moon. Oh God. Uh, where are the Bryces, Sensabaugh, and Lindsay in the pecking order? We just we covered that really. Oh. I mean, Bryce Lindsay. I, I need to see. Uh, I think he's Under Armour. I think I'll see him this week. Um, he is. He's. I know he's on the list, but he was not one. He didn't jump up in that list. That group with the top five or so names uh, that I've been hearing. So. All right, specifically for Chad, what's the best public high school basketball that you've ever seen, not counting academies and AAU? Oh, boy. Don't watch a lot of public high school basketball. Like, uh, it's. Uh, it could be private, too. Um, not the academies. I mean, the best, the best team I ever saw. Like, if this was football, I've got two easy answers. I mean, you got Coleraine, Coleraine with Revels and Goodman and and all those guys. Dominic, uh, yeah, the state championship team. I guess that was oh four, oh two, oh right. four, something like that. I used and to play flag football with Dominic. Some of the largest hands for a normal sized human I've ever seen in my life. And he's a good dude. Yeah, really good dude. Um, it would be that team, and then Warren Central out of Indianapolis, like the next year. Um, Desmond Tardy. Do you remember that name, Brent? Desmond yep. Tardy went yep. to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Warren Central, Aaron. At, at, this was the season before I saw them. They had four guys rush for a thousand yards. Sheesh. And then the next year, they also, again, the same four guys were all back and rushed for a thousand yards again. What is that? The Jeremy uh, Finch years? I With, think so. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Eight thousand rush yards in two seasons. Desmond Tardy. That's that's who I. He was. He was. He was there. Like he went to Purdue, didn't he? Do it everything, guy. Yeah, um, he was there. Do everything. Well, I mean, like Warren Central and Ben Davis. Like both of them have had their heyday as the public. Yeah, but school. this was Warren Central's best team. Oh yeah, they I mean, were they, right up there. They, they every bit or, is good. Two or three in the nation. They were every bit as good as that Coleraine team. So those are the two best high school football teams I've ever seen. Um, the best high school basketball team I've ever seen was Oak Hill Academy uh, back in the 90s when uh, they came to Covington Holmes. And, and Holmes gave them a, a pretty good game. And that was Jerry Stackhouse was on that team. But it was not Jerry Stackhouse that was the star. It was Jeff McGinnis. Jeff McGinnis had like 30, 37, 38 points. He must have hit 12 
like pull up 17 foot mid range jumpers where the home's defense just could do nothing with him. Um, the, the, a couple of the Cubcat teams that I covered while I was still doing Northern Kentucky, uh, high school stuff were really, really good. The Holmes team that won a state championship was really, really good, but I, 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 I don't watch a ton of high school because it happens during UC football and basketball season. So I don't get it really in the, that much of a chance to, to go out and watch it as much. What about that bacon um, team that took on LeBron? I didn't see him play. Okay. So if I didn't see him play, I, I don't know. I just didn't know if you got a chance to see them that year or anything like that. But no, I mean, back then I was, I was grinding doing high school games in Northern Kentucky, like four nights a week. And, and radio and trying to get into this side of things. So cool. um, I didn't get out to watch as much high school basketball as I did high school football. All right. Chad, there was uh, one of the best games I saw was the Lawrence North, Greg Oden, Mike Conley team versus Deontay Vaughn. No. <laughs> yeah. He went to Brownsburg, but um, and then uh, he played AAU with those guys. And then they played. Arlington, who had Deontay Vaughn. So those were some absolute battles, absolute battles. Definitely. So how many basketball and or football programs have private jets that their coaches can use, such as for recruiting? And does Bearcat Air look like something that can get off the ground, pun intended, soon and successfully as a permanent option? Just wondering, because Chad mentioned this as an advantage that Shaka and Tony Bennett, not the singer, had this past weekend. Almost all Power Five slash Big East programs have a jet available for their coach for recruiting purposes. Is that P5 money? And P5 donors, larger donor base, more P5 donors that have planes um, that that allow you to just kind of take them out when you need them. And oh. that, is not a, that is not a large number of people in the University of Cincinnati donor base that just have a plane sitting in a tarmac somewhere that, that you can ring them up and, and say, Hey, I need your plane for three or four days. Um, the, the Bearcat air thing, it's, it, it's, it comes down to how much money people donate. The more money people donate, the more likely it is that that can be done, whether it be through one specific plane or it be through um, taking a charter flight, you know, renting a plane for you know a day or two days or three days like you see in the recruiting periods um the more money that gets raised the more money that gets donated the more availability there will be to hop on a plane and and go take care of what what west miller needs to take care of all right when can uc start working with sage on a strength and conditioning plan can they offer suggestions? can they offer suggestions now if he asks can they offer input on his rehab if he or his medical professionals invite their participation in the process, or does all this have to wait until he actually signs? An when he actually and... signs his letter of intent, they cannot really do anything in any official capacity with the kid until he is, you know, signed an LOI that that's NCAA, uh, violation. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but that's like, that's just how the rules are set up. So with Sage committing, who can we cross off the 2022 thread? Nobody at this point. Not a nan, not a nutta. No, I mean, you're losing two centers. You don't know what you have in Vic. So I, I'm not going to be shocked if we see two big men. Now, do I think 
one will probably be a transfer or a, a guy with some experience. Yeah, probably. Uh, but at this point in time, I'm not ready to cross off uh, anybody in terms of, you know, this guy definitely is out now because Sage committed. Uh, I, I still think that leaves the board pretty wide open. Do they think most top players are going to commit early or wait until the first day of the signing period to reveal which school they're going to be attending? Huh? Do, do, do people in general think most top players will commit early or wait until the first day of the signing period to reveal which school they're going to be attending? I, I don't make the questions. I just read them. Generally, you don't see many commitments on signing day. And if you do, the kid has already let the school know well in advance what's going to happen. So before signing day. What number is higher? The amount of points you see football beats Miami by or the total amount of conference wins for the basketball team over the next two years? Let's do the math. Let's do the math. 56 to 8? Or, or, I'm sorry, 50, 58 to 6? What was uh, – Can I was... do the math for a second? They just said the only conference games, so you're only getting 18 of those a year. So that's 36. There's only 36 conference games that that you can win. Do we think Cincinnati's going to score more than 36 against the Red Hawks? Yes. Okay, then that already is the answer because Cincinnati could go 36 and 0 in conference play and still <laughs> you know, it'd be a if they if they phrased it a little differently to where like, you know, season, like on the season, then you would be talking you would have in a regular season for two seasons, you'd have 62 games in play. Yeah. So at least there would be a little bit more wiggle room <laughs> at, with the number capped at 36. And even if you do AAC tournament three and three at four and four, I guess, you know, max that's 36, eight, 44. Do, do we think Cincinnati scores 44 against the Red Hawks? Yes. Yeah, but that means Red Hawks score none. What, the margin of victory? Is that yeah. what the – yeah, well, still. Do, do we think Miami beats – and that's that's if Cincinnati goes undefeated. The, the, the thing here, Aaron, is, though, they'd have to go undefeated to oh, yeah. get to those numbers. Right. I'm, th those are the maximum that ain't numbers. Happening. That ain't happening. No. No. So – what they lose five each if we're if we're counting conference tournament they lose five each season roughly let's say uh that drops you down to 34 do they beat miami by more than 34 i think so i think so, so we've talked an awful lot about bond and skillings um but what is the difference between mikey saunders and david DeJulius starting at point guard you watched them both play last year Saunders is faster, more of a an open court transition guy right now. DeJulius, I think, is more of a half court guy, but I, I don't know from some of the things I've heard from inside of what happens at practice. Um, it's my understanding lately that Saunders and DeJulius have been running on the same team, which would mean DeJulius is getting more look at the two than at the one. Which is what so, he did in Michigan and Succeeded. Yeah. And, and I think if you're like, if you really want to get into it, Saunders is more of a like 
full like this is what you want from a point guard where Julius you want more as a scorer um he was he was playing point guard but it clearly took away from his ability to be a scorer when he was playing point guard I think so Julius plays off the ball way better than Mikey for sure and yeah just I don't know everyone's excited when Mikey's got the ball in his hands Mikey Memphis game baby Did you see that tweet that was retweeted by by uh, Chris? Yeah, Laporia. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome! That is... Happy birthday, Mike! Today, happy birthday. birthday, Mike! Ice Mike. Does anyone on the basketball staff have any children in high school that would be good enough to recruit to the men's or women's teams? I know former players like Starks and Satterfield that have kids that will be recruited. Do we are we not looking at the age of these guys? I'm just reading the questions, man. Who was the one you saw, Chad? Eugene Land's kid. I said they asked on the coaching staff. Oh, on the coaching staff. Oh, jeez. You saw Mug's kid. Mug is not on the coaching staff. Last I, I checked. I know. Wes is like thirty-eight. Mike Roberts is forty. Yeah, you'd have to go. CB McGrath or <laughs> no, no, nobody. Wes doesn't have any kids that I know of. I think Roberts' kids are are, are girls, but More I don't. That he knows of. <laughs> right. Chad, um, Chad Dollar. Chad Dollar, I don't know if he has kids or not. I don't, no, I don't know. Chad Dollar's like a, a mystery man. What a cool I've name, talked though. to him and I still don't really know anything about him. <laughs> if it's not Chris too- Lapore, Chris Lapore's kids are like five and three. Newborn. So he's, well, he's that, got she's some a, she, she, yeah, he's got a, a daughter that was was newborn. Baby Bearcat. Okay, so we're yeah, banking like on that. you, Lapore. We're banking on you. Yeah. Um, and then you talked about Bryce's connection to Cincinnati. Um, in the football mailbag, we talked about Kelsey versus Kels. Um, wild card is it? Is it Kelchi? Um, <laughs> would you would you take a deal where you always defeat your rivals? We talked about that. Will be the higher count turnovers the men's basketball team has for the season high in a single game, or the football team over the whole season? Well. So generally, if you look at the like the outlier bad games uh, that teams generally have, it's usually in that like 17 range, right? Des had what? Higher, yeah. But I'm saying like usually like your outlier bad game for a team that does a decent job taking care of the ball. Right. It's like 15 to 17, somewhere in there. Hmm. Right? Sure. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Um. So, Des had what two interceptions last year? No, he had three in one game against. Okay, so he had like South five Florida. interceptions last year. Yeah, but it wasn't many. No, fumbles and were maybe five fumbles on the season. I, I would go the highest turnover basketball game. Yeah, but you also have to remember. There's what? 10 possessions in each football game. Yeah. And ball control is much more of an important, like, live or die factor in football. Mm -hmm. Where basketball, you get like 70, 80 possessions a game as one team. Right. And turnovers aren't, you know, if you, if you travel or there's a charge, like it, it doesn't, drastically swing momentum all that often. So I would say turnover season high, like the highest 
turnover game in basketball over the total number of turnovers for football. Yeah. I mean, the last two seasons in basketball is 22 was the high each year. Then I definitely take basketball. Nailed yeah. It. And then even in the Mick years, there's a couple seasons where 20 was the high. So it's, uh, it's up there. There's no doubt. Chad, I know we've been podcasting now for almost two hours. We were supposed to apparently get you hammered. So you could give us recruiting crumbs. <laughs> what else do you want me to give you? I mean, there's a lot of crumbs. We've, we've given everybody what we could. That's you, the thing. Look, this podcast is free. It hurts business for us to talk recruiting this much during this podcast. And I still do it every week. And Bearcat 11 still wants more. <laughs> You're welcome. Do you think Sauce gets drafted? Where, where do you think Sauce gets drafted? The first, second, or third, third of the draft or the second round? Obviously, we haven't seen his senior season. Things can go awry. But right now, if you had to make a gut check. I would say between 20 and 30 in the first round. Because the unknown that we don't know, what's his 40? What's he going to put on the board for a 40? If he puts a 437 on the board at 205 pounds, at 6'2", 6'2 and a half, whatever he is, 18 reps. all bets are off. All bets are off. Wearing we number have, one. We don't. We. That is definitely something that's really high on uh, scouts. Uh, <laughs> what number are you, sir? Oh, we got to move him up. He is um, ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going teens. With, teens. I would say between twenty and thirty right now, until we have a better idea on what that forty time is. If anyone scores a touchdown on him this season, does that change? No. All right. I'm just that's that's his legacy right now. It's a part of who he is. It's, it's his legacy. Any no. word on Ritter's performance? We talked about that with the Manning Passing Academy. Um, any development or whispers with the out of conference scheduling for 2024 and beyond? No. There's some stuff brewing, but it has been very hard to crack the code on exactly what yet. We're and working what? on it. Football? Football, yeah. And well, they're playing. They're playing Army in what twenty thirty two or something like that. Yes, Brent. <laughs> sure, <laughs> they are. And it was part of the. It was part of the Army game this year. Yeah, that's the mailbag. We did wow. it under wow. two hours. Wow, that's impressive. impressive. That is it's impressive. I tried hard to get Dave to two hours last week. I tried. I heard that heard that he gets so irritated <laughs> just cranky little fella oh he like he thinks it's ridiculous that we do two-hour podcasts and the the bcj he still listens, pod, doesn't he yeah but the bcj pod has been pushing like an hour 40 hour 45 for like a couple weeks now so he's not as uh out of the woods as he thinks he is on like i can't believe you guys do podcasts that long oh it's it's easy. I mean, look at podcasts these days, though. That's that's what it is. For a long time, the the acceptable podcast length was an hour, right. and through the pandemic, that changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For Joe Rogan, this would be a short podcast. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. Well, I. Anything else from you guys? I mean, I think we uh, did a doggone good job. I think I, I think I hit on everything I needed to hit on. Yeah. 
Sage, Sage Tolentino seems like a pretty awesome dude. That's uh, that's good to yeah. see. And uh, boo. favorite food truck. Somebody asked that. Yeah. I, I don't really have like a, fa- I like a lot of different food trucks. I don't know one that I like that I specifically like hunt out. I just like to try. The, the problem is I like to get a, like, if I've seen a food truck, I go to a different food truck because I've already had that one. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to like expand my food truck horizons because look, if you're going to go through the, the trouble of buying a truck and turning it into a kitchen, there's a chance you really love food and your food is probably pretty good. Agreed. I, I can't think of many bad food truck experiences. No, no. The but best I, is I right, say, right outside of a uh, college bar or something like that. So what you're about to say next is going to be probably a home run. I, I can't wait for Dine in Hawaiian to open. I go. have been so spoiled the last couple of weeks with them bringing food and us trading food. And like, and they really loved my, my wings, by the way. Okay. The wings were a big hit. They weren't a big, as big a hit. They had these short ribs that were marinated in like soy sauce and like some other like Asian spices, fish oil. I think I, like I could have sat in there and eaten the entire pan of these short ribs. They were that good. And everybody <laughs> at the radio station that, that, that got to experience the, the dine in Hawaiian experience last <laughs> week said the same thing. And they had these, uh, teriyaki sliders that had little chunks of pineapple on them. Those were those were killer too. And of course, they brought me some more loco moco. Okay. I think they're going to name they like the loco moco wasn't going to be on the food truck menu, but I've made it such a thing that I think they're going to put it on the menu and name it after us. The Brenda Loco. No, I think the, what I heard, the rumor I heard was they're going to call it the two four seven loco moco. Oh, wow! Yeah. Um, so they, they get my they get my nod for favorite food truck, uh, even if they're not open yet. They will be soon. <laughs> no, no quaffs for me on that one. No quaffs at all. Well, and anything else out of you, Aaron? No, nah, that's it, man. Chad, we all we all good. Yep. Well, hey, another successful BBP, Brady Collins, with a surprise guest appearance. Man, he is he is fantastic, but. <sighs> For my good friends, Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. Yet again, this was the BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com.